I think we need to get to the message now. Uh, the theme is on prayer. And uh, like I said, on Wednesday, I hadn't even known the theme, and I knew what God wanted me to preach. And it's out of the book of Colossians, chapter 4. And that was on a Wednesday. And then God told me what to preach on Sunday. It's also in the book of Colossians, chapter 4. But didn't you know, on, <laughs> whenever the, the, the other missionary preached, it was in Colossians, chapter 4. So uh, I thought he was going to take my sermon. But it seems like everybody else took it instead. Okay. So let's go back to Colossians chapter 4. We talked about verse number 2. And now we've got to go to verse number 3. Just one verse. It says, are you there? Colossians 4, 3, it says, With all, praying also for us, that God would open unto us a door of, what? Utterance. To speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in bonds. Let's have a word of prayer. I'm going to kneel. Let's pray. Dear Father, we do dedicate this time to you. I pray that you would give me the very words you want me to say and that the Holy Spirit would illuminate us and open our eyes today, Lord, to exactly what the scriptures are saying in such a way that we have deeper and better understanding of them, that they would change our lives, that we would grow and mature to a point where we can never go back to where we were before. So Lord, we dedicate this time to you. We welcome you. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're talking about praying for a door of utterance. And I, all, um, I think about what does it mean to have a, a door of utterance? And before I get into it, I guess I need to explain a little bit more about Colossians. And uh, you heard me on Wednesday. You say whenever you read the book of Colossians, you have to know that Paul had never been to Colossae. You have to know that Paul was also uh, fighting against the false teachers of Colossae. Uh, what were the false teachers in Colossae named? No, no, no. Yeah, thank you, Pastor. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Susanna knows. She's heard my sermons, brother. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Pastor's stretching me this week with two times of preaching. I had to break this message in half, right? But uh, so uh, he had never been there. And, and by the way, where was the Apostle Paul, new question, uh, when he wrote this book? In prison, jail, uh-huh, that's right. So he is, uh, he's, uh, they're, they're facing these uh, heretics, these false teachers. Paul's writing to them to encourage them. And then from nowhere, Paul doesn't, Paul asks them to pray for him, right? Right? He, 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 he wasn't praying, he usually was praying for them. Now he's asking them to pray for him. And uh, you know what? I believe, I believe that, and Pastor can correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, I, think inter, I think he wants them to intercede for him. Because Paul could have asked the Lord, Lord, open up a door of utterance for me, right? I think intercessory prayer for somebody else is more powerful than me praying for myself. What do you think? Because when I pray for you, there's fewer strings attached, right? When I pray for me, a door of utterance, Lord, because I need this 
thing so I can do what I need to do, right? I need it to move on. But when somebody prays for me or you pray for someone else, now it's just out of love, right? That's more powerful, by the way. And uh, we have tried to experiment with that in our church, Pastor. We, have a, we do prayer groups where there'll be like six or eight of us, and we each will give our top three prayer requests. And now we, we, we print them all out. Each, we pray for each other every day for each of those requests for 21 days. So we're praying for the other person 21 days, and it's amazing how many of those requests are, get answered in 21 days because we're praying for somebody else with nothing for us. Intercessory prayer, he's asking them to pray for him. And uh, he's asking that God would open up a door of utterance to be able, you know, an utterance, to utter something, to be able to speak, right? He wanted God to open up a door that he would be able to preach the gospel, basically. And we have to remember, he was in prison. Now, if you were in prison and you wanted a door to be opened, which door would that be normally? Yeah, amen? <laughs> it wouldn't be a door of utterance. It would be a door of freedom, right? But he's praying, Lord, give me something to do right here in prison. Lord, you've got to open it up. You know, the, the widest audience that he could ever hope for in a prison would be would be who? Other prisoners, the jailers, mm -hmm, the few visitors that he had, and he had, I guess he had several. So he's saying, open up a door among this tiny crowd, because I need you to open this door, Lord. So I'm asking these people in Colossae, you pray for me. I've done that, I've done that even for this message today. I have asked my Ugandan brothers and uh, Pastor Patrick and all of them, I say, you pray for me. I gave him some specifics to pray when I'm praying, when I'm preaching on Sunday at this church. And they said, we're praying for you, Pastor. And uh, I want God to open up a door of utterance for me. But I've been thinking about what is a door of utterance? You know, being able to uh, basically be able to preach the gospel, to have an opportunity to, to get some way to preach the gospel, to have some way to have a, a what we could say is a ministry, I don't want to be too complicated, but, but, uh, but here's what I found out, Pastor, is that uh, a lot of times simple answers aren't good answers. They're not right, you know. They're simple, and that's what we like, but it's the more complex answers that are better, and uh, they're uh, more, more right. So I hate to be complex, but I think it's a better answer. But when we think about ministry, and uh, what is ministry? We get all of these ideas about what ministry is. And by the way, my ideas about ministry were very clear before I became a missionary and before COVID-19 hit. I knew exactly what ministry was. Uh, ministry was going to church, preaching, and uh, people needed to sit right there and listen, right? And uh, go do it. I knew that was it. That was ministry, and I don't know if anything else really was or not. I know I'm kind of being facetious, but uh, uh, I knew. So, uh, so God has had to try to, you know, teach me, you know what? What is God's ministry? So he's asking God, you, God, you. God, I, I want to do the ministry that you want. I want to have the door open that, that you have, Lord. So I want to be involved in what you're doing, 
Lord. Instead of off on some other tangent thing, you know. It's like we're in a, we're in a war. We're in a battle. Or, or, and I hate to think, I hate to even mention this, but uh, if you remember in Andy Griffith, uh, you know, whenever they would go out and do a manhunt, you remember that? They would always leave Barney guarding something. It didn't matter, right? And uh, he would mess it up. But uh, I think a lot of times that's the way it is with us. We're over here doing this thing. It's like, and God's like, whoa, what are you? Come on. Here's the real thing going on up here. Ask me. I'll let you know, and you can be involved in a real, something real, something that I'm doing, not something that you've got on your own over there. So what is a ministry? I have some things written down. Uh, here's how advanced I am. <laughs> I've got things written on a 3 by 5 card. What is a ministry? A door of utterance. Here's a ministry. Ministry is the temporary helping of someone to love God and love others. And it can go on. Uh, we do this through our words and through our actions. Temporarily, that's a key word, helping someone to love God and love others through our words and actions. That's ministry. That's my uh, makeshift definition for the moment, okay? I use the word temporarily in there because that's something that God's been teaching me is that, you know, because when I think of ministry, I think, you know what, it's somebody that's sitting in the church and they're going to sit there for 25, 30, 40 years, right? And God's saying, you know, that's not, that's, that is ministry, but there's a lot of other ministry that you're missing, a lot of other chances. And God had to get me all the way down to ministry can even be that one-time encounter with somebody. That can be God's ministry. And if we are helping them love God and love others, and that's where you took my message, Sister Carrie. Because here was the, the Gaimans, and they came, and they had that one chance, or extended chance, and was, what was it about? They didn't know the language. They didn't know how to cook and all of that. But they were able to help them love God and love others. That's ministry. Didn't know the language, but they were ministering to them. And it's temporary. Those, oh, Mrs. Guyman is still there, right? So, yeah. So, uh, Mr. Guyman has passed on, right? And we have, to, we have to understand that. You know, the more and the further we go along in Gulu, the more I'm seeing ministry might just be the moments, the chances, the weeks I might have with somebody, or just the days I might have with somebody. And I remind it again and again because. Uh, we've been in Gulu now so long, and now we're on the radio, uh, that when I go into town, uh, people recognize me. Now, that's pastor of Keecha Baptist Church. That's pastor Nathan. And uh, you know what? Uh, I think every time I go to town, almost every time now for the last year or whatever, there had been somebody, say, oh, pastor, I'm, I'm going through town. Like, hey. And uh, I always do this. <clears throat> Hey, Pastor. I said, hey, how are you? I said, Patrick, right? Because yeah. like half of the people are named Patrick <laughs> over there. I'm, I'm, I, sometimes I get it. But uh, like, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm Moses. Oh, Moses. Yes, yes. How are you? How do, where, where do I know you from, Moses? And uh, it's like, oh, Pastor, uh, I remember I worked on your house uh, 
like 10 years ago, Pastor. And I remember one time you came and you preached a message and you told us not to take shortcuts. He remembered my message, Pastor. And uh, I remember preaching it. And he said, Pastor, that message has helped me all these years. Thank you. And uh, that was it. See you later. Yeah, God bless you. It's like, oh, I'm so glad. I'm so glad that 10 years ago I was trying to help him. Instead of having some rude word or, hey, why isn't more work being done or what are you guys doing, uh, I had some good word for him. Some more, hey, this is how you love God. This is how you love other people. And I was able to help him. Th that's the kind of thing that God can use. That's what ministry is. When we say, Lord, open up a door so that I can help somebody, even though it, it's always going to be temporary. I want to help them love God, and I want to help them love others. All right, let's go to the next point. Uh, this is the point that our brother who read the Bible verses stole from me, so I'll forgive him for that, but... Uh, I remember very clearly last uh, furlough, I came back, and uh, I was given the report to the field, and uh, my whole, I had a whole bunch of my family here. I got a bunch of family in Des Moines, you know, uncles and cousins, and they were all here. Remember that? They all came. And, uh, and then I got up to preach, and I didn't really have a message that was, I didn't feel good about it after I was done preaching. I uh, struck out, and uh, I'm like, ah, you know, uh, after I left Adelphi and was in other churches, my, I, I had a message I, I like to preach. It was on Matthew chapter 6, Pastor, the very passage that our brother read here today. And uh, so the message out of Matthew chapter 6 is because uh, uh, th there's three things that he mentioned in there. There's uh, three disciplines that, he, that, that the Jesus goes through. There's three disciplines that Jesus, I, I say, highlights in that passage. Yeah, you're going through them. Giving the alms, which is given to the poor. Fasting, thank you. And, easy one, yeah, prayer. Giving alms, fasting, and prayer. He says, do those things in secret. All three of them are secret, secret, secret. That's why we don't talk about them much. You're not supposed to talk about them much, right? You know, we, somebody fasts in this church, but nobody knows who it is because they're doing it in secret. Somebody gives in this church, but only the treasurer knows for sure, right? And uh, somebody prays, but there's, it's all done in secret. We don't talk about it very much. But those are three disciplines that the Lord highlights and here's what I want to say about those as we think about the door of utterance that God has opened for you. And uh, maybe you're saying, well, I need a door of utterance. I believe you probably already have one or some, and you can pray for more, get other people to pray for you for more. But here's what I want to say, is that when you get a door of utterance, and here's where prayer comes in, and even fasting and giving, these things, he says, when you do them in secret, your reward will be great. Here's what I want to say is, salvation is free, rewards are not. Okay? There's going to be people that are in heaven, but so as by fire, right? And everything they did, they did. And it's all burned up. But I think when we come into this idea of, of uh, uh, our door of utterance, that we need to seriously think, I want more rewards. 
I, I want more. I don't know about you, but for me, I want more. I think it's through those three areas. This is the message I wanted to preach last time, that we keep the spiritual temperature of our door of utterance to be red hot. That's what I was trying to say on Wednesday. When we went down to that church in southern Iowa four years ago, and we found out, you know, I was kind of feeling it in the church. This church is spiritually red hot. And I asked the pastor after the service, I said, Pastor, I just asked him directly, what is your, what is your devotional life like? And he said, well, after I finally coaxed it out of him, every day he gets up, gets his coffee, goes down to the basement, three and four hours of praying every day. And here's what I didn't tell you on Wednesday. He said, this last year, I was able to fast 50 days in the year. So it's about once a week, right? One day a week. I said, that's it. It's red hot at that church. He is, as Pastor said, he's willing to make the sacrifices. Here's what I want to say about prayer is that prayer isn't broken. Prayer, uh, the Holy Spirit's not broken. The spiritual temperature that you see in your door of utterance and in your church right now is the result of your prayers right now and for the last however many months and years. We're getting, we have the spiritual temperature right now. If you say God's not doing anything, well, it's because the temperature's down. You see what I'm saying? We're reaping our prayers. We're getting our prayers answered. We pray with a half heart. At our church in Minnesota, it's good, and we do it. Uh, Wednesday, 10 minutes of prayer on a Wednesday night, right? Uh, that's what we do. And uh, you're like, oh, man, nothing's really happening. Uh, spiritually, well, maybe it's because we're only praying 10 minutes on a Wednesday night. We haven't sacrificed anything. There was one man that, uh, I, I don't know if I should even tell this, but there was one man that came to our church. This is up in Minnesota. I hope you don't know anybody I'm talking about, but uh, one man came to get saved, right? He walked the aisle. He got saved. It's like, yes, the guy got saved. And uh, so we were, we were talking to him afterward. Oh, did you make a decision today? Amen. And uh, he, so he just stayed after church and stayed and stayed. And he was out by the uh, entryway. And he's like, oh, he said, can I give you a ride home? No, nope, waiting for my uh, cousin to pick me up. Oh, okay, all right, yeah, see you later. Everybody left the church. Well, later on, Pastor, we see him coming back into the church on the security cameras, and he's stealing things out of one of the offices. And then he goes out with his cousin. So that's the kind of fruit we get. Like, don't mark him down as being saved that day. <laughs> well, don't judge his heart, brother. Well, uh, so uh, we are reaping... Well, we've been sowing. I, I, I have no Bible verse to justify this, but I've just seen it. That when we turn up the intensity, <clears throat> there's a six months to three year kind of a lag before you'll start to see difference. That water's down here, Pastor? <clears throat> so what I'm saying is, is that you are experiencing right now in your life and ministry what you've been praying for for the last six months to three years and the intensity and the things that you've been sacrificing. Now, we're talking about sacrifice, and that's my point, and I want you to hear it. 
But then the third thing, my third point, is that, of course, whenever we start talking about prayer and fasting, and I'm like, oh, my goodness. You know, I don't want to <laughs> go back to Pizza Ranch. I don't want to be fasting. What are you talking about? This is America. Uh, we don't do that. I even had one pastor say, I don't think fasting's for today. <laughs> he told me that. And I'm like, well, I know it's against our culture, but I, Jesus says to fast. He'll reward that. It turns up the temperature. I, th I think if you'll fast one day a week, I think you'll see a significant difference in the spiritual temperature, in the spiritual progress of whatever the door of utterance is that you're praying for. But whenever we mention these sacrifices that are made, then we also have to temper that with saying that whenever God calls us to make a sacrifice or to do anything, it's always done in relationship to him, right? The Old Testament law is a horrible thing to try to carry, and they couldn't do it because it was always and only supposed to be carried while in relationship with God, and that's what they were missing. Oh, boy. Here's another example. Paul says that when you're married, uh-oh, the wife is under the law of her husband until he dies, right? And that's a horrible way to say it, isn't it? The law of her husband. But you know what? If that marriage is, is red hot, I'll just use that word again, uh, those things that the wife needs to do or the husband needs to do, not a problem, is it? But when there's no relationship in the marriage, and I'm going to move right on. I don't want anybody to get uncomfortable. Uh, when there's no relationship in the marriage, then it's hard to even say hello in the morning. Right? So when I talk about fasting and praying and uh, what's the other one? Giving. If those aren't your gifts, which uh, giving is my gift, so I like that one. The other two I, I really struggle with, but... Uh, when I talk about those things, I'm talking about doing them in relationship with the Lord. So when, you, when we have that time with him, and, and, and by the way, when we have that time with him, all this confusion about, uh, oh, what should my ministry be? What is the door of utterance? Uh, oh, I should, you know, one time I went to this preacher's conference, and I was talking to this other missionary, a uh, pastor there in Gulu, and he was saying, you know what, our church, we, uh, we do prison ministries, we they, re they were reaching out to, to prostitutes and street kids and all, oh, like, whoa. Uh, they were all this stuff. And I came back from that conference, and I'm like, mm, I'm not doing anything, right? And, and, and I thought, we've got to start doing prisons and all this stuff. And God had to just say, no, wait a second. Uh, I, I have you doing what I want you to do. And think about this. He's he was reminding me, you, know, you, you, I've given you to do the deaf, and the other guy's not doing that. I've given you to have a, uh, uh, the radio minute, but he's not doing that. And God says, just do what I've asked you to do, right? So when you think about uh, relationship to him, and what does God want me to do? Don't worry about it. We stay close to him. When he prompts us to give, that's the right time to do it. When he prompts us to fast and to, what was the other one? Pray, yeah, that's the right time to do it. And maybe there'll be seasons where it's, we do more, seasons where we have to focus on something else. That's the way God works. So I want to temper the, everything with saying it's all done in relationship with him. It's, pro, 
It's propelled by, it's the, the, the temperature is propelled by our sacrifice. But it's not really a sacrifice when it's done in relationship to him. And uh, we could say, you know, we could talk about how we, we really, we sacrifice for the things that we want every day anyway, don't we? We really do. We'll, go, we'll, we'll spend extra time, extra money to do anything else that we want. When Christ is our life, and that's the verse we didn't get to read, uh, he will be the one to lead us to do these various things in different times and different seasons. So I want to encourage you with that. Um, I want to tell you one story, and then we'll be done. And uh, I hope it'll be a blessing to you. Uh, when we started our church in Gulu, that's been about 12 years, I don't know, 13 years ago now or whatever. Uh, if you remember the pictures, uh, we started in a circus tent, blue and white, blue and white stripes, and, and people were coming, and that was, we were so, you know, we were excited and baptizing people. And so we were right there uh, by us was a uh, school, and they had uh, deaf classes there for the, for the deaf kids. So every Sunday we have these deaf teenagers that were coming to our church. And we didn't know sign language. I, you know sign language, Miss Carrie? Okay. Yes. All right. Well, I don't, and I didn't, all right? and I still don't. And uh, so, and I won't tomorrow. That's the final part. But uh, I, uh, I didn't know sign language. None of us knew sign language. We were like, oh, you know, hello, oh, thank you for coming today. And it's like, oh, you know. What, what does that mean when you don't know sign language? It means, it means like 19 things. And then see you. That's all we could do. And I'm, not, I'm just being funny. Uh, but um, finally, I prayed, Lord, what are we going to do? God brought us a translator. And uh, there was one teenage boy. His name was Gabriel. All right? And uh, so Gabriel, he was uh, coming up to our church services. Gabriel was finally able to hear the gospel through the sign language Gabriel got saved. Gabriel is a really energetic and uh, enthusiastic. He has a big smile on his face all the time. And uh, so Gabriel went through our discipleship. He'd been through our Bible school. He'd been to church faithfully. Gabriel's a soul winner. If I were to kind of pin him with a gift, and it's not in the Bible, but the, maybe it is, but we could talk about that later. There's a gift of evangelism where you just have this desire to tell people about Jesus, right? Overwhelming. Kind of like the gift of encouragement here. But uh, he has that. So he's always telling me, and so does Pastor Patrick. He has the same one. Uh, he's always telling me, Pastor, pray. There's a couple guys over here. We're going to go reach them on Saturday. You know, we're gonna, they're deaf. We're going to preach the gospel to them. And they would go, him and Andrew, sometimes would go and preach. Or, and they would come back with a report. Oh, they, sometimes they did. Sometimes they didn't get saved. And they'd go to this other place next week. And, and so uh, anyway, Gabriel got married. All of these pretty big steps. And uh, he's, he's a very uh, sharp young man. Gabriel comes to me and says, Pastor, I want to start a deaf church. I said, okay. I said, let's, let's think about that. Let's pray about that. And the uh, conclusion that we came to was instead of starting one deaf church, that Gabriel would start uh, deaf ministries at our various churches. So uh, that's what we're doing right now. If you remember from the video, uh, when we showed you Pastor Martin's church, you don't know who I'm talking about, but there's a guy named Gabriel that was right in that picture. And Gabriel is in Amoria from the story uh, right now, Amoria Town, right now today, uh, teaching them people sign language, going out doing deaf evangelism, bringing them in, and all, all of these different kinds of things. Yeah, amen. 
You know, Pastor, deaf ministry wasn't on my radar. In 2005, when the church took us, I never mentioned deaf ministry. It's one of these things, it's like a, a Lord opening up a door of utterance. Okay, here's something you didn't expect, right? Oh, Lord, it looks so small. Ah, but God, over the years, has said, keep doing it, keep doing it. Keep uh, ministering to the deaf. And, and as a result, here's Gabriel in Amoria teaching those people about Jesus. And he's going to go to the next church after a few months and the next one and the next one. And that's a great story. And I have, but I have some more to tell you about the story. And that is um, when we talk about missions, and the other brother mentioned it one time, he, uh, we have to start talking about what we call the unreached people groups of the world, right? Uh, you know what I'm talking about there? Uh, the, or, there's organizations that have gone around and they've kind of mapped out where are the unreached people groups. They don't have churches and Bibles and they, they don't know Jesus. They need missionaries, right? And uh, so they've mapped all of these all, all over the world. And, uh, and you know what? One organization has said, they said there's an un, one of the unreached people groups of the world is the deaf people in northern Uganda and South Sudan. I'm like, hmm. Interesting. Now, it's not so small, is it? Now we're reaching an unreached people group. And when you start talking about unreached people groups, you've got to start talking about, and Pastor can correct me, is who's, who's the last person who's going to be saved before Jesus comes back, right? Because the Bible says every tribe, kindred, tongue, nation, language, all of that. And uh, who's going to be the last? Wouldn't it be something if it was a deaf person and I know you have a deaf ministry, but with Brother Gabriel, <laughs> no, I'm just joking, but it wouldn't be something if it was a deaf person who was the last person to get saved. Wouldn't that be uh, amazing? And we have a, a part of that. But there's one more thing I have to tell you about the story, and that is that when Gabriel was born, he was born as a hearing young boy. He could hear. And when he was six years old, he got malaria. And that's when somebody, nurse or a doctor, I don't know who, but uh, injected him with quinine or quinine. And, and I guess a normal dose of that will make your ears to ring. But if you get overdosed like he did, it takes away your hearing forever. So Gabriel wasn't born deaf. He was made deaf. And... You think about that horrible, horrible accident that happened, right? And some people say that Gabriel should be angry for the rest of his life. They took away his hearing, right? Sue the doctor or nurse that did that to you. But what does, that, what does Gabriel say about that? God knew. God opened this door. If he hadn't been made deaf, he would probably never have gotten saved. If he hadn't become deaf, he probably never would be able to reach these precious people that nobody else, that's why they're an unreached people group, by the way, because nobody else even wants to reach them. But God does. And God knew all along, and if you were to ask Gabriel now, was that a mistake or an accident, or is that going to be a problem with you? No, no, no. It's okay. I'm glad that this happened. It's all God's will. God opened up a door to me. 
And when we think about the way God is working, we have to get out of our minds that God owes me this life that uh, is perfect health. I live to be 90-something. All my family's around me, right? Things go well. No. That may not be God's will for you. We have to get out of that. We have to keep our eyes on Jesus. Lord, what do you want me to do? Lord, you open up the door of utterance and whatever it looks like, help me to get involved in what you're doing. Help me to make the sacrifices and to do it all in relationship. That's what really needs to be red hot right there, isn't it? The relationship with Jesus. Spending our time and letting him lead us into all of these different things we talked about. So I guess we need to start praying for each other to open up more doors of utterance. And when God opens them, we can open our eyes and say, thank you, Lord. Thank you that I get this chance to partner with you in, in the ministry. Let's have a word of prayer.